welcome back to the Dress Your Dent Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Devitt, and with me today is one of my favorite people on the planet Earth. Luke Beer, how are we doing, man? Dude, I couldn't be doing better. We had a wonderful weekend. Good to hear, the man. Madness was happening. Good. Fantastic. A uh, little technical uh, difficulty uh, tonight, but we're going to work through it. Uh, no Sterling Carroll tonight. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed your favorite weekend of the year. Um, March Madness was fantastic. We'll be talking about it a lot today on today's pod. Um, it was most certainly madness. Um, a lot of big upsets, not a whole lot of quantity. We'll get into that, into that a little bit later. Uh, we're going to break down where we were right and where we were wrong. Um, because on this pod, we're all about getting better. Um, no one is perfect. Uh, shown by the amount of perfect brackets that were just gone uh, after day one so you know we're we're part of the people we got we got a lot to improve on um a lot of takeaways uh, a lot to learn from um and the state of college ball i think is in a really fun position and it's going to be a fun last two weeks of this tournament yeah um i'm looking forward to this week 16 we got a lot of great matchups coming up um it's going to be a doozy of a thursday and friday and then i mean the rest of this tournament's poised to be one of the better, like I, like we said last week, one of the better we've had in a few years. Totally agree. Um, after we go through um, what we think uh, uh, of the first two rounds of the tournament and, and what we expect for the uh, for the last two weeks, uh, we'll do a little bit of NBA talk at the end and uh, and some NFL free agency talk and get out of here uh, for this Monday edition of Trusher Get. How's it sound? Sounds beautiful, man. We got a lot to cover, so uh, let's let's dive right in. Let's go ahead first. All right. I I agree. I think we should start off with some good news. Uh, you know, we were right on a good amount of things. Um, personally, I have three t- takeaways from the tournament where I think I kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, I uh, you had a lot of great takes, and I think that the, that we need to give ourselves a little bit of a pat on the back of like you know. This happened. We kind of saw it coming, and you know, do a little bit of gloating. I mean, we had a lot wrong, but I mean, we got to take the W's when you have them, right? Absolutely. And yeah, we like you said, you, we we are the public. We are the people. We're always trying to get better. We had our good moments. We had our bad moments. We will definitely dive into the bad moments. I was definitely wrong about a few things. We were definitely right about a few things. So, let's take with the good and the bad. Learn, get better, trust our gut moving forward. Uh, I kind of wanted to start uh, with the East region. I think that we kind of hit that nail on the head. Um, I believe my quote was that the East region is the most volatile region I've seen in March Madness in recent years. Um, and that kind of did pan out for me. Um, I'm very proud of that quote um, and that take because Purdue was the most vol- volatile one I've ever seen. Uh, Texas definitely should have been a one. Um, and I'm kind of glad that they went down to FDU. Um, FDU shouldn't have even been on the tournament. They lost to Merrimack in their, in their conference, uh, um, championship game, got the bid because Merrimack's not eligible, um, dominated in their, uh, in their round of 64 game and just are, had themselves a tournament. What a great run for them. Very happy for them. Um. But my goodness, Purdue just looked awful. They were just the worst team from the get-go. Yeah, um, I know Fairleigh Dickinson was the big bracket buster for a lot of people. Um, I think Purdue was really exposed that game. Um, I mean, you had the tallest player in the tournament, or one of the tallest players in the tournament, versus a team that averaged a height of 6'4 amongst their starters, and amongst all players, really. Um they figured out how to shut down Zach Eady, and you know the rest was history. Purdue couldn't hit shots. Fairleigh Dickinson was playing well. They had nothing to lose. Purdue had everything to lose. They were just playing. They were just playing basketball, and Purdue was playing with everything on the line. Um, they shut down their star player, and I think Zach Eady got exposed as height doesn't mean talent. Um, don't get me wrong. I think the kid's mm-hmm. talented and he's a good ball player, but being seven four is not going to win you. A whole lot of games, especially come NFL, you're going to get pushed around. You need to have actual talent. NFL, sorry, NBA. Um, 
You need to have actual talent, and height's not everything. And Fairleigh Dickinson went out there and proved that. Totally agree. Um, it's just kind of this new re- uh, revelation in college basketball and March Madness that, you know, ever since UMBC you know, took out that one seed, you know, it can be done. You know, no one seeds aren't undefeated anymore. Um, you know, there's a lot of inspiration. I, I feel like FDU probably took from that. Their head coach is a great leader of men. His, the speeches that I saw from the locker room were awesome. He he, he had those guys. Electric. He had them totally ramped up and ready to play with nothing to lose. Um, and just a great story. Um and I think it's just going to be something that we're going to have to keep an eye on moving forward. Uh, 16 seeds, I don't think, are going to go away. Um, I think this was ex- um, just helped out a lot by the transfer portal and all that entire scene in college basketball where a lot of these kids who didn't get their shot at their at their first place can you know leave after one year and go to these you know mid-major schools and really thrive and just be more competitive. You know they're not going to be sitting around at you know your blue blood colleges anymore and just be riding the bench they're going to be trying to make their their mark uh just like Keontae Johnson for Keontae Johnson for Kansas State you know he totally totally bet on himself after that uh that cardiac issue that he had uh after Florida he had the option to take a five million dollar stipend from the NCAA and you know be done with his college eligibility but bet on himself made a great run um and took out a very talented Kentucky team uh, with his awesome point guard, uh, they had a hell of a game. Um, I'm forgetting his name at the moment. It was, yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head either. Uh, Marquise Noel. Yeah, it was Mar- Marquise Noel. Totally, totally, yes, totally forgot it uh, off the top of my head. Um, very talented duo. Uh, they hit sh- some shots, and when the time was necessary, and they played Kentucky very, very well. Um, a lot of these mid-major and less, you know, prestigious Power Six conference teams are becoming a lot deeper and a lot more dangerous in this March Madness tournament. And I think that this this tournament was kind of the the climax of like all those aspects coming together the the COVID and transfer portal combination that we saw take place and college football and now college basketball as well. Um, it's making the tournament Absolutely. really fun. No, it's, I mean, this, there were so many upsets that we thought should have happened and so many that we didn't think should have happened that did. Um, I mean, Grand Canyon only losing by 12 to Gonzaga, which has been a powerhouse for the last decade. This is their eighth straight Sweet 16. Um, I mean, Arizona State, which had, a tough season, um, tough second half was able to really keep TCU on the wire, but RIP or Devils, they put up a hell of a fight. Um, Rip the Devils, man. They were in control I mean, of that game for 35 minutes. Like, it was brutal. Yep, heartbreaking. And then just, I mean, that three at the end to tie the game really was, a, it was so a hell tough. of a shot. So tough. So sweet. And then the one kid who hadn't made a shot all night, hits a floater buzzer beater or buzzer beater with like 0.6 left or something like there was it was basically a buzzer beater um totally i mean northern kentucky only lost to houston by 11 like these teams these mid-majors are really coming out here scrappy they're really improving and it's making this tournament so much more fun because like you said we hadn't had a one seed lose in years and it was like 150 zero to 150 something and now in the last five years, we've had two. Virginia losing by 20-plus UMBC. Now the Fairleigh Dickinson coming in and upsetting Purdue. I mean, you – I I think transfer portal has been great for college ball. I really think it has been lessening these powerhouses, making these tournaments fun. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just – I mean, not, what more – much more can be said about Thursday and Friday and these first-round games than – some of the best basketball and most competitive basketball I've seen in this tournament in a long time. It's, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was, a, it was a very, it was a very fun, fun weekend. Um, 
kind of the second point where I think that we kind of hit the nail on the head for it was I flew out the advice of when in doubt, when I was picking my bracket, I was going to side with the SEC this year. And that paid out for us very well. Um, as we saw in the first round, the SEC was 7-1. and one. The only team to lose was the last game of the day uh, was Texas A&M against a really, really tough Penn State team. Uh, they put on a show. Penn State looked really great against Texas A&M. And Texas A&M looked great in their own right. A lot of people had them beating Texas in the, in the next round. Um, they were a great squad. The SEC, though, um, they're a basketball conference, man. They're so much better than everybody else this year. It's, it was wild how deep the SEC was. Like Mizzou, I, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't trust them in the first round at all. I don't think they missed a shot in the second half from what I was watching. They were lights out. It was awesome. The SEC was on full display. Um, it's, it's really hard to argue that they're not the best basketball conference right now like it's not even close oh sure i mean and i know people a lot of college basketball fans will make the argument about the big 12 or the big 10 being basketball conferences after this performance this year by the sec in the first round um you can't leave them out of that conversation uh you definitely i mean big 10 really just came in and did okay i mean purdue or purdue obviously shit the bed um historically indiana did all right but got upset second round by miami and that was just tough miami's really hot right now um Mm -hmm. penn state like i said came in and put on a show against texas a&m that was great um michigan state um they played surprisingly good ball against usc Um, so well and then they came in and upset Marquette second round. Um, I underestimated Michigan State dramatically. Um, and, you know, Big 12, like you said, Kansas, it's that the... was tough. It's, I don't know, but SEC, without a doubt, came in and just ran the table. They had a great first round. Uh, quickly on uh, your the Michigan State point, Izzo had himself a coaching clinic the first two rounds. Um he was he was very very good. Uh, totally totally dismantled Marquette. Um, very very great game. They started off super hot. Hot Marquette had to play catch up. Um, they were very much able to do so because their offense is so great. Shaka Smart. Uh, I earned a lot more respect for Shaka after um, after the first round and, and watching him a little bit against uh, Michigan State. I think that they're building quite a good program down there. Uh, at Marquette, I feel like they'll be very competitive in the coming years. Um, but uh, shout out Tom Izzo. I wanted to make sure I got that out there because I I wasn't a huge fan of their squad. Um, I picked USC in that first round matchup because I was, you know, I thought the Pac uh, Pac twelve would be a little bit better this tournament. Um, just poor showing from them this year. Really was. Um, but yeah, like you said. Um... The calendar goes January, February, Izzo, April. I mean, totally Tom Izzo is always going to be that guy. He, like you said, he put on a clinic. And one thing I should have known coming into this weekend, uh, Shaka Smart is out of like 780-some Division One coaches all time. I think he's third worst um, ATS in his career. And he is now 1-8 or 1-9 in the NCAA tournament. Um, yep. Some reason dude cannot perform in the tournament. I should have known better. I have way too much trust in this Marquette team and I will take full responsibility of that. Uh, I was really just, I guess I was, I fell in love with that offense and ignored the obvious signs of faulty defense and let that get the best of me. Yep. But, um, yeah. And then, uh, Michigan state comes out as the odds on favorite to beat Kansas state in another upset in the sweet 16 coming up this weekend. So, you know, the Tom Izzo effect, it doesn't matter what squad he's got. He's got to coach those boys until they got nothing left, and so far he's doing it. It's college ball. Coaching matters a lot more than it does in the NBA. 150%. Um, great. Uh, I think the last uh, last point that I think I made uh, when we were talking about our brackets and our strategy, um, the last major point that I think that I was, I kind of hit the nail on the head was, um, the Mountain West 
wasn't great outside of uh, San Diego State. Um, I said that going in. Um, I thought that they were going to go 500. I thought that two of the squads were going to pull off a W and two weren't because uh, I was kind of expecting a, a 10-7 uh, upset with Utah State because I kind of liked uh, what they had on offense, just didn't uh, put enough together uh, in that first-round matchup. Um, we expected San Diego State to do well. Um, I had them winning both uh, of their first-round games and uh, finally break that curse of the Mountain West being 0-4 in the tournament these last three years. So good for San Diego State uh, winning two games. Uh, they definitely look great. They're really, really long. Uh, definitely a tough out. Um, if I'm Bama, uh, I mean, Bama matches uh, up great against anybody. Uh, but, I mean, San Diego State's a, a, a really tough matchup. It's the Bama is San Diego State, but can shoot really, really efficiently. So uh, it'll be a fun matchup. Uh, um, and I don't love San Diego State's odds, but, you know, they're, they're very, very good. Yeah, uh, I mean, for for the South, I was able to get three of the four right with the Sweet 16 matchups. Um, was able to get Alabama and San Diego State, which I'm very happy San Diego State was finally able to perform to the potential that I thought they've been able to all year. Um, I know the Mountain West Conference isn't great. Um, I will also take responsibility for putting out that Boise State and Utah State uh, looks. I really thought that those guys could pull it off. Um, I mean, Missouri just played great and Northwestern really just put on a clinic against Boise state. So mountain West curse still lives on for them, but San Diego state was great. Um, in the South uh, specifically, like you said, um, had Creighton in the elite eight. I've got them or yeah, I've got Creighton in the elite eight coming out of there. Uh, Creighton is, was one of the few where I thought was really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, end of the day, it's the fact that we got Princeton as a 15 seed in the Sweet 16 is just absurd. Um, but I mean, we can come back to that later. But back to your point, um, yeah, Mountain West, shit to bed. But major props to San Diego State for finally coming into their own and actually playing to their full potential this tournament. I think this San Diego State-Alabama matchup is going to be a good one. Totally agree. Um I'm glad you shouted out uh, the Blue Jays because I think that potential Creighton-Bama matchup uh, in the Elite Eight would be very fun. Um, I had those two teams in the Elite Eight from the South region because uh, I really did want to see that uh, those two uh, go up against each other. Um, a lot of people were on Creighton at the beginning of the year. They struggled at the beginning but then really found their, uh, themselves down the stretch. Um, and Bama's been the best team all year um, as, outside of Houston. Houston was the only team you can make an argument for uh, being better all uh, year round. Uh, so I think that'll be a very fun uh, Elite Eight matchup if there are no upsets. Um, but I think that was a good segue, uh, you touching on Princeton, to to go a little bit to where TYG was was wrong this uh, NCAA tournament. Um, in reference to where we were wrong, uh, I think, like you said, um, that U of A upset by Princeton nuts um yeah sorry just cut out for a minute so i'm hoping that this picks back up um but yeah i can hear you again princeton mass all right perfect uh massive upset over u of a um honestly a shocker u of a pulling off a win at the pac-12 championship was i thought a pretty good determining factor of them i had them getting at least sweet 16 um so that was a heartbreaker um, not as a Sun Devils fan, that was pretty sweet. Uh, but that was crazy upset. Um, I mean, the only major upsets, Furman, like I said, uh, in our last episode, um, there was a potential for an upset there. Virginia has been notoriously weak in the, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, that was great for the madness, not for my bracket, but it was great for the madness. Um, Virginia just choked it away, man. Yeah, that kid with the pass so at the end was, I don't know what the hell he was thinking. Uh, just launching it in the air right to a Furman oh. player. Um, so, I so mean, much. I had the Pittsburgh upset over Iowa State. 
which was kind of nice. But that was I. I really thought Iowa State was going to be a better team. Um, they put up forty-one points and a half, and that's just not acceptable basketball, especially coming out of the Big Twelve. You can't do that. Um, it's just you can't you can't stay in the tournament and. You can't make the NCAA tournament put up 41 points. That's just atrocious basketball. Can't do it. Um, I thought Drake had a great chance, but like I said, Miami came into this hot, and they played really well. They've been playing really well. Um, I thought Montana State was going to get an upset, but now, of course, Kansas State, Sweet 16, they're playing great. Um, you know, there's a few spots um, sitting at 83.4% on the bracket, so I'll take uh, I'll take it where I'm at right now. But a lot of teams that I thought should have been upset actually decided to show up for this tournament. Um, Kansas State is the one that really baffled me. I was not hot on them. I was not high on them. I'm still not. Um, but I mean, I mean, they came into this last in the pack in the in the Big Twelve, not playing great. They were doing decent towards the second half of the season, but I don't know, man. I just I'm I'm shocked mostly that Princeton's made it this far. That's my biggest what the hell's going on. Um they put on an absolute clinic on Missouri in the second round. Um I mean, I thought it'd be at least close. Uh they beat Missouri by fifteen, which is just wild to me. Um so yeah, we had we had a lot of good spots, but our wrong spots, we were at least in, for me, I was very wrong. Um a lot of teams showed up that I thought wouldn't, and a lot of teams that I thought would show up didn't. And that's just nature of the beast. Yeah, uh I I do agree with you. Uh seeing Princeton um move along uh against U of A definitely a shocker uh doesn't hurt too bad if any if any of the two seeds were going to go down kind of glad it was U of A obviously we're ASU alums uh but uh that kind of did bring uh bring me to my point where I I thought I was kind of wrong I think I floated out the um the thought that you could definitely pencil in your ones and your twos this year um because I thought it was a pretty safe uh seating for for the big guys um, and that's just not the case anymore. We talked uh, we talked about it a little bit uh, with I think the transfer portal has a lot to do with that, and uh, just the teams those lower seeds are just a lot more confident now. Um, three we've now seen it three years in a row a 15 seed um, advance into the round of 32. Very wild. Um, St. Peter's last year, Princeton this year, and uh, Oral Roberts the year before. Um, I'm very interested next year to see um, if that trend continues um, or if that's just kind of a flash in the pan. Um, I kind of think it's here to stay. Um, I don't expect twos to, you know, have a one a year kind of thing, kind of like how uh, five and 12 upsets kind of seem to happen every year. But um, it's definitely something to keep an eye out now looking forward. They're, you know, they're, no one, no one's safe anymore in the first round. Um, and U of A and Purdue were, were just – the newest of victims to the long, long list of upsets in the round of 64. Um, speaking of 5 and 12 matchups, um, another point where uh, Trust Your Gut was wrong. Uh, Sterling uh, floated out the, um, the statistic of uh, 12s and 5s having a, a pretty close to 500 record head-to-head in the round of 64, so... It was very important to you know find what twelves and what uh, fives you liked this year and find that one that you, that you've seen is going to uh, get through to the next round. Just didn't happen this year. Um, very strange. Four and zero in the first round for those five seeds. Um, that is very unlikely, and I don't think that's uh, going to continue to happen, especially because college basketball is deeper now. Um, I don't expect that to happen in years to come. But it's definitely something uh, to keep of note, and um, next year might be a little bit more action from those 12 seeds. Um, Any thoughts on that? 
Um, no, I totally agree. I'm thinking the farther we get into this transfer portal era of college basketball, the more or the less relevant I think seeding will become. Um, I think the only issue is going to be whether teams are overseeded or underseeded. Uh, like I said, we've seen high levels of performance um, through all the different seeds in this tournament, and it keeps becoming more prevalent every year. Um, and I don't think that's going to change. I think it's just going to keep going down that road. And who knows? We may have a six seed or higher win a title game at some point. Um, who knows, man? We could see we could see anybody pull off a, a title win here in the next few years. I mean, I think seeding's just going to become less and less prevalent as we as we move along. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, another point that uh, I kind of wanted to, uh, to make of where I, I kind of expected a little more chaos was the Midwest region. Um, I thought that this year was going to be more of a year of volume upsets because I did think that this tournament was a lot more deep um, in, those, uh, in those lower seeds uh, than kind of what we saw. Um, it was kind of a year of much bigger and grandiose upsets than they were um, individual uh, and volume upsets. So that Midwest bracket, I kind of expected to go a lot differently. I loved Kennesaw State and I loved Kent State. I thought they were both going to have uh, much more competitive um, games as those lower seeds. Um, in years past, uh, there has there has always been a double-digit seed to move on to the uh, to the round of 32. And I thought that it was going to come from the Midwest region because I expected um, U of A to actually win. Um, I didn't think Princeton uh, was going to be that team. Um to advance on and, and, you know, make a lot of noise. I thought it was going to be either Kennesaw or Kent State. Uh, but uh, it just kind of uh, turned out to be a little more tame. Um, it'll be fun going down the road. It's going to make for a really good uh, Elite 8 and Sweet 16 matchups. Um, but that's just uh, kind of a region I, I kind of saw going a little differently. Yeah, um, for me, I was kind of on the flip side of that. Uh, I... That was the only region I got one pick wrong, and that was the Drake pick. Um, but yeah, I mostly picked Indiana. And I picked Indiana just because who's your fan, so there's bias. Uh, I also just liked them more. Uh, Penn State, I mostly just picked that one again on bias. I got a lot of buddies at Penn State, so or Penn State, so I just went with that. Uh, Xavier was a really close call. Kennesaw was a great, great upset pick. Uh, they covered the spread. If you're into that kind of thing, but that was really close. Uh, Pittsburgh it was so close. I just thought Iowa State. So was, I thought Iowa State was just fraudulent. Um, like I said, they had a shitty end of the second half of the season. And as somebody who puts out frequent college basketball picks on our TYG Twitter, um, they lost me a lot of picks, and I didn't like them. So. That didn't. I just went with my gut there, and Iowa State put up forty-one points in forty minutes, which is horrific. And you're not going to win a college basketball game scoring that many, abysmal, or that little points. Um, and then the other one that was interesting uh, was Iowa Auburn. Uh, I picked Auburn there. Um, I think that was again just a SEC fade. Everybody else, um, Iowa was not playing great, and I like like we're going to have to realize these SEC teams might start coming into this tournament with bad records conference wise but the sec is a tough conference sec can play it's ball and we're gonna have to unreal. start taking that into account when when we start going into tournaments in years to come because auburn didn't have an impressive record iowa did just because the big Ten's so top heavy and auburn came in they only won by eight but granted they did what they needed to do so i was the only that was my best um that was the one I liked a lot. The South was the one I didn't like a lot with most chaos. And that was the one I got the most picks wrong. So, I mean, I was right in my own regard, just on what I thought should happen. Um, but, you know, is what it is. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. It is what it is. 
Um, some of our broader takes were uh, were definitely more accurate. Um, I think uh, that applied to the West for me. I, I thought that the West was going to be uh, the most competitive um, of the regions, um, and that kind of uh, deemed to be true. Um, Kansas, the only one who went down to, again, another really good SEC squad in Arkansas, just super athletic, um, and Kansas just couldn't keep up. Um, it was a great game, went down to the wire, um, and I'm kind of glad that the that the Pigs pulled off that upset. That's going to be a really fun um, Arkansas-UConn matchup in the next round uh, in the Sweet 16. Um, I did have UConn coming out of that uh, that division, um, and I'm very excited to see that Gonzaga-UCLA matchup. I shouted that out in the last pod because um, I want I wanted to see it again. Uh, if UCLA is at full strength, I feel like it'll be a very fun matchup. If not, uh, Gonzaga, I feel like, will pull through. Um, but it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun uh, uh, to see who comes out of that West region. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I wanted to point out about the West: looking at the bracket for the round of sixty-four in the West, uh, there was not a single upset in that first. Yeah, um, that went exactly as the numbers said it should have. Um, yeah, I also have. UCLA and Gonzaga here in the Sweet Six uh, potential Elite Eight matchup, or nope, Sweet Sixteen matchup coming up, um, and that's the 2021 Final Four rematch. That's going to be a banger of a game. Absolutely, I'm excited to see how that one plays out. A lot of subplots in there, and that Arkansas UConn game is going to be great too. Um, yeah, it'll be fun. And the West is doing what it needs to do. It's not bringing in too much madness. It is playing the game of basketball and the good teams are winning like they should. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, you shouted it out uh, during uh, that little disconnection though. Um, I do love uh, that uh, my shout out towards uh, Hall of Fame, NCAA Hall of Fame coach Rick, uh, Rick Latino uh, in that scary matchup with Iona and UConn in round one. Um, I was definitely concerned with, with UConn. Um, with that draw, but now that they lost, Rick Pitino accepted the job to St. John's. Uh, I find that very funny. As soon as that uh, he had his best squad that he's probably ever had at Iona uh, in his four-year tenure, uh, he's now leaving ship to join uh, now a Power Six conference uh, with St. John's. So that'll be a little bit interesting moving forward uh, to see how, what he can pull in there and uh, make a run in years to come. Yeah, shout out to that old creepy guy who. Uh... Built a great team, goes the first round, gets blown out by 25, and it says, see you later. Um, I think it'll be interesting seeing what kind of program he builds over in St. John's. Um, but the Red Storm's always a good good program. So hopefully uh, hopefully he'll do something good over there. But yeah, um, between that and VCU, I know Sterling really liked VCU. Um, that was terrible. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, top to bottom, no matter how you slice it, it's it was always the impact of the upsets, not the volume. Um, also, I'd like to give a my condolences to you, Devitt, for the Memphis FAU game. Um, I think Memphis got screwed out of a timeout at the end of that, and they really yeah, that was a tough one to watch. Um, shout out to the FAU Owls for their first Sweet 16 appearance ever, though. That's pretty sweet. But, yeah, Memphis Memphis got a bad draw there. Plain and simple. I really thought they should have won that game. I got beef with the FAU Owls. I got beef. And, and, and it's not because that they took out uh, my Final Four uh, prediction in Memphis. It's because of how uh, the lackluster sportsmanship looked against FDU at the end of the game. That, that really kind of ticked me off, I must say. That was bullshit. I thought we were at a different era. Uh, trying to do a windmill dunk. Trying to do a windmill dunk on a 16 seed in the round of 32. Nope. Uh-uh. You could, it could have been a really fun Cinderella team for me, uh, rooting for them to, to go to the Final Four. But nope. I'm, I'm not rooting for you guys. Uh, I uh, I did say that uh, uh, in our pod last week that 
I think if Memphis got past that first round uh, game with uh, FAU, that they had a really good shot at making the Final Four. I did pick them to make the Final Four. That, that is where I was wrong. That was the last thing um, on my list of my general takes where I thought I was wrong was my Memphis prediction. Um, but, I mean, at, if I was going to go out on, out on a limb in any region, I'm glad it was the East because I was right in the, in the, in the aspect that it was it's anybody's it's anybody's game in the East to make a Final Four run. Uh, Tennessee um, looks very good. Um, I thought that they str- struggled going down uh, the end of the year, but they look long and they look very good. Uh, I hope they beat the crap out of FAU. Justice for FDU. Um, and that Kansas State Michigan State game is going to be very fun. Uh, Michigan State's a lot longer um, and has the better coach, so I'm very interested to see how that plays out. Um, Kansas State has a very fun feel about them, though. Um, it'll be very interesting to see who comes out of the Final Four in the East because those four teams are very strange. I would think uh, I think Tennessee is the most talented, but it'll be fun. No, I agree with you. Um, I got all four teams wrong coming out of the East for the Sweet 16, so um, I really don't know what the hell's going on. These are all four really strange teams. Um, I think Tennessee's going to have a tough time against FAU, I'm not going to lie, unless they reproduce the shooting performance they had against Kentucky. Because um, I really thought Kentucky was going to win that game. But F- Tennessee was had their one of their best shooting performances of the season. Um, and they're going to need to recreate that again uh, at least one or two more times before they hit the Final Four. Because this FAU team, this is now – FAU and – Princeton are going to be two dangerous squads in the Sweet 16 because they, again, have nothing to lose. Creighton was wildly underseeded. Princeton was not supposed to be here. Um, FAU, not supposed to be here. I mean, it's just one after the other of dangerous, volatile squads that are coming into this with none to lose against teams that were at one point heavy favorites to win the title. So, I mean, it's it's going to be wild. Um like I said, I didn't get any team right in the East, so that kind of sucks. But that's March, baby. That's just how it rolls. That's 100% March for you. All right. Do, uh, do you have any other uh, things you want to reflect on? Because I felt like I got better and I got, uh, I got some stuff out of that. Uh, do you want to look, look ahead a little bit? Um. Yeah, I mean, looking ahead, we, I've still got one, two, three, four, five, six title futures alive. Um, the only ones I got knocked out on were Kansas and Marquette, so we're still looking good there. Um, picks wise, still net positive um, on this tournament so far, which is an absolute miracle because I felt really stupid the first round. Um, Alabama's currently odds-on favorite to win the title. Houston's second. Um, one thing I think is really interesting is Texas is, as a two-seed, uh, still higher than 10-to-1 odds. Um, they're not putting respect on the Longhorns, and I don't know why. Um, but, I mean, it's end of the day, it's it'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure why the the books reflect that. I still feel pretty confident about my Texas pick for them to win uh, win the title. Um, I had them winning it all in my bracket. I feel pretty good about it. Um, uh, there's nothing in those first two rounds that that kind of scared me, uh, aside from Bama being um, that dominant for the uh, through the first two rounds. Uh, but I have Bama playing Texas uh, in the championship game. I think Texas and Bama are far and away the two best teams in the tournament right now from what I uh, was able to watch in the first two rounds. Um, and I just kind of feel good about it. Um, three, out of, uh, three out of four of my Final Four teams still in it. Uh, I had a pretty mediocre bracket. Um, that second day really killed me. Uh, I went out on a limb on a lot of those um, lower seeds in, in the second day, and they just didn't pan out. Um, you know, But, hey, that's March. Uh, it is what it is. Um, I, I learned, and I shall move forward. Um, and hopefully, you know, if 
Bama and Texas are there in the end, then that's kind of all that matters because then my bracket won't look as bad as it does right now. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, a few things to look ahead for picks wise um, that I'm going to be keeping an eye on throughout the week as the lines move and injury news comes out and whatever else. Um, UCLA is currently at a pick with Gonzaga and Kansas State as a three seed is a plus two underdog. Um, one that I'm really interested in uh, is the Creighton Princeton line. Uh, Pre- Princeton sitting currently at plus ten and a half, which is a lot of points for a team that's coming in this hot. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of did the same thing with Farley Dickinson. Shout out those boys for going three and zero ATS this tournament. Um, I mean it's. Something's off. Keep watching these lines because they're going to move around a lot. And a lot of people uh, also shout out to the unders total unders. This tournament have been stupid hot. They're like 31 and seven or something crazy. I don't know. They're hitting at a ridiculous amount. Um, I don't know what the hell is going on, Um, but shout out to them. Um, Other than that, yeah, if you're a picking person, keep looking at the lines because these lines are about to get really weird as the week progresses. Um, I don't really have anything right now that I love, but we'll be putting those out on Twitter as the week goes on, probably Wednesday night, Thursday, early on some point. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'm feeling good about picks, about futures. Uh, it's going to be it's gonna be good. I think we're in a good spot. Uh, yeah, all picks will be out um, as they come. Yeah. Yep. Other than that, I think I'm good with March, man. We're, we're totally great. I feel like we are in a good spot. Mm-hmm. Sweet. All picks will be available on Twitter at 2YG Takes uh, for the most up-to-date uh, live of our of our gut feelings and uh, how we got to beat the books. Got to beat the books one way or the other, uh, or at least not lose as much. So. Good luck to you, soldier. Um, keep keep an eye out for those lines, and let me know if there's anything uh, sneaky that starts creeping up. If there's any uh, any wrinkles to the fold, any angles that you love. Absolutely, I will always keep my eye out. I, would love to I will do my due diligence. Great. Uh, do you want to move on to the association a little bit? Talk a little bit about what's going on there. Let's get to the association. All right. Well, since we've been uh, we talked last for what's going on in the NBA, um, I feel like the biggest headline of what's going on is uh, Denver. Uh, I kind of went on out on the limb defending Denver, um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm just kind of going to double down because I think that they're still a really good squad. I think Jokic is still great. I think Michael Porter Jr. is still very knocked down, um, and Jamal Murray um, is still a very very solid second option for your offense and who to run through uh, when it's the, the ball's not in Jokic's hands. Um, I, I still love Denver. Um, it does really, really concern me for um, them playing down to their level of competition these last few weeks. Uh, I, I would say two weeks. Um, it's not that they went on a five-game losing streak. It's more of who they lost to, you know, Bad loss to Brooklyn. Bad loss to Houston. Um, just not what you want to see from a one seed uh, when there's you know less than twenty games left in the season. Um, you know this is kind of where you want to be coming into your own and playing above these teams that, let's face it, just aren't in the running anymore. Um, it's not my favorite thing to see, but I still think that they are very very good, um, and I'm not concerned with them in the playoffs. But what I am concerned for a little bit is the since how close the MVP conversation has been, um, that 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 hurts Jokic's his case. Um, MB truthers out there uh, definitely have a little bit of ammo now that after that little skid from Denver because MB's numbers these last ten games have been absurd. Um, he's clearly the number one option. Um, Tonight in a 109-105 double overtime loss to the Bulls, which was tragic. Um, 
he was the only he was the only person on their team who's keeping them afloat and the reason why he could go to double overtime. James Harden just folded today, had a really, really, really bad performance. Um, I believe his plus minus was minus twelve or minus eleven, one of the two. Just that's terrible. Just not a great performance from him, and he had been playing so well. Yeah, he had been playing so well, not what you want to see. Um, but I still think Philly has what it takes. I think they're deep enough, um, and Embiid is a big enough threat for them to make a run. Um, I claim their ceiling to be the Eastern Conference Finals, and I think I'm sticking with that. Um, but Embiid for MVP, I- I'm kind of with it. Um, I-, I don't think that uh, he is the book's favorite right now, but if you want a flyer on Embiid MVP, now would be kind of the time to do so because that was a that was a really tough tough week for those uh, for Jokic backers and uh, voters out there because this MVP race is the closest I've seen in quite some time. Uh, ooh, actually, I could tell you right now on uh, DraftKings, Joel Embiid is minus two forty for the MVP. Good for Embiid. I think he deserves it. I agree. I mean, like, I, I don't. It, it's it's tough. It's really tough. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I was just saying I don't follow uh, the Le- the Le- association as much as you and Sterling do, but um, I did know that Denver was on a skid. Um, Balt- or Boston's been on a skid. Um, I don't really understand why, especially with Denver. That, that really sucks, and especially as volatile as the entire Western Conference is. I just saw the standings today, and, like, 4 through 10 or 11 is, like, all within three or four games of each other. I mean, this is now when you need to be playing the best basketball because this is crunch time, and these teams just aren't doing it, and I don't know why. Yeah, it it was... Just not 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 great for uh, for the Jokic narrative. Um, you know, it, there was a loss to the Bulls uh, back on the eighth, a loss to the Spurs who have just completely folded it in, um, and a loss to the Nets in Toronto. Uh, just four back to back to back to back losses that were just really really bad. Uh, Jokic still was performing well at the time, but just if you're lo- and they were at home, so just not not good. Uh, not what you want to see, um, but there's uh, there's still some time. Um, I think uh, how close this um, MVP race is. It really is day to day. If Embiid has a bad game tomorrow, who knows? It, 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 this that this race can change very quickly. I just think uh, Jokic has a lot more to overcome because of uh, voter fatigue. Um, it's definitely a thing. You got to be really, really, really good down the stretch um, if you're going to have uh, the committee, the committee, and those who have a vote vote for you for a third MVP in a row. Um, it's tough. Uh, they are uh, the one seed in the West still, so that that helps this cause a lot. But got to play good down the stretch. Um, it is a regular season award, so being a one seed helps. Um, but leaving a bad taste in voters' mouths. Uh, as these last two weeks have progressed, so it'll be very interesting to see how that uh, how that unfolds. Absolutely. Um, another narrative uh, that uh, kind of happened uh, today as it unfolded is that the Warriors have finally won a game on the road. Thank you. That they need a round of applause. Um, as you know, I am a Warriors fan. Um, and this is their first road victory since January 30th. Unreal. Um, and it came against the Goliaths of the Houston Rockets. Uh, th- Hell <laughs> thank bro. goodness they won that game. I would have had a heart attack if they lost. Um, Steph has been playing at an unreal uh, clip down the stretch. Uh, he just really needs some help. And he really needs Andrew Wiggins back. Um, I pray that the rumors that are going around with Andrew Wiggins aren't true because I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Um, I I hope him the best. I hope he can return uh, with the team 
shortly because it's been three weeks. Um, I, I really hope that the, uh, that the rumors aren't true and everything is all right with him moving forward. Um, he can take as much time away from the team as needed, but come playoff time, they'll need him on the road. Um, he's He has been their X factor. He was their X factor last year. I think he was the reason why they won uh, the title last year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the Warriors pan out. And lastly, um, it was very uh, nice to see John Morant uh, reunite with uh, his teammates on the sideline today. Uh, didn't play, but uh, he looked like he was uh, in good spirits and being a good teammate in a, in a good win um, tonight um, against, uh, who did they play? In a good win against Dallas. Kyrie struggled down the stretch. He went over from the field in the fourth quarter. So um, that helps um, Memphis's case. Uh, great win, 112-108 uh, Memphis at home. So good. Uh, hopefully Jaw can come back uh, into the fold and uh, make the West more competitive um, at the top and make for an interesting playoff playoffs when that when that comes to fruition. Yeah, that um that Memphis team has really been making some bad headlines lately between Jaw and Dylan Brooks. Um Jaw, I mean, you know, dude just making bad choices and that's just that's a whole other narrative outside of basketball, so he's dealing with that doing what he needs to do. Um and Dylan Brooks just is an asshole. Like, I don't understand this dude. I mean, he is deep within his making himself the villain of the NBA. I mean, he got his 18th tech today of the season. He's up for a multi-game suspension if that tech upholds. Um, He's beefing with Clay Thompson and Draymond Green publicly. I mean... I don't understand where this dude gets off. Like, I don't understand where this drive to be just the biggest asshole in the league comes from. Cause he is making Memphis a wildly unlikable team for me. Like this it's, I had no reason to hate Memphis and now I do like, I mean, Dylan Brooks, just, he's not good enough to be talking the way he does. I don't get it. He hits one shot and he thinks he's like you want- three point champ. I don't get it. He wants to be Draymond Green so bad. So bad. It's so funny. I don't – this dude just sucks, man. I mean, did you – there's uh, that clip of him back at Oregon a few years back, um, and it was him flopping on a that fake – I did see that. Charge or whatever. I mean, that's got to – he's got to be the reason why the flop foul has been implemented because that was the worst shit I've ever seen. Like, that dude did a like a cartoon hop on one leg and then flew back halfway across the court. Like, the play was over for a few seconds before that dude finally that's actually, landed. That's actually not the clip that I thought you were going to reference. Um, I had uh, watched one earlier this week of uh, an interview with Dylan Brooks uh, when he was drafted, um, You know, talking about uh, his process and uh, basically talking with uh, – the head coach of Memphis at the time saying that he wants to be the Draymond Green for you know, for his for his team and he'd fit that role um, and he would, and he's plug and play and um, very funny how things uh, come full circle so um, if Memphis ever becomes something more um, it'll be interesting to see if he's uh, a part of that or not um, I don't know Draymond's been the part of a dynasty for the last you know eight years. So, be be for the guy all you want. Um, it's it, he can let his record and his four rings do all the talking. Yeah, but Draymond's a great trash talker, and it makes for great uh, media. So, I'll I'll eat it up uh, any day of the week. Absolutely. I mean, Draymond's got the resume, and also makes for a great rivalry with Golden State and, and Memphis. It, it does. I mean, that's developing before our very eyes. Um, but you know. Draymond's got the the resume to back it up, and he's I can confidently say he's a guy that nobody likes going up against, and nobody likes unless he's on your team. Um, I can't say the same about Dylan Brooks. I just don't like him. Period, and I don't think I'd like him if he was on the Suns or the Pacers. Dude is making he's in my eyes he's giving the NBA a bad bad look. 
with I mean, there's a difference between being Draymond and just being a prick. And I just this dude is just <laughs> he, he just rubs me so far the wrong way, man. I mean, I'm glad you're on. I'm glad we're kind of on the same page. I like. I mean, of course, I don't like Draymond, but it's because Draymond is such a great defender and a great ball handler. Like he, he's always killing it in assists and rebounds. Dylan Brooks just doesn't do shit. The dude just talks all the time. He hits a three, and then he's in everybody's face, and he's taunting people. And I don't know, man. Draymond's Draymond's got the career and the history and the resume to back it up. Um, maybe Dylan Brooks will someday, but I don't see Memphis being that relevant anytime soon. Um, there's a difference between being Draymond Green and an asshole, um, and Dylan Brooks has not found that yet. I'm glad we're kind of on the same page because in, I believe two episodes ago, I have claimed I have a very short list of athletes that I despise and uh, I use the word hate for, um, you know, hate's a strong it word. Strong. Um, and there, there are two that come to mind immediately in the NBA that I do hate. And Dylan Brooks is one of them. The other half of that being Grant Williams, uh, hate both of them. They suck. They're annoying. I don't, I don't love either of them. I hate their games. Uh, Dylan Brooks is completely inefficient. Uh, He's a volume scorer on a team that doesn't. He doesn't need to be a volume scorer on. He needs to be Draymond Green. He needs you know eight assists, eight rebounds, um, and eight points. Like if you're an eight eight and eight guy on Memphis, uh, you'd be carving out quite a career for yourself. But it's just not kind of what he is. Um, especially when Jaw's been out, he's been putting up a lot more shots, and he's not incredibly efficient. So uh, I'm uh, not a fan of him, um, and. It just makes for really good uh, storylines come playoff time. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, he, has carved, he has carved quite a role for him being the villain of the NBA. Yes, he has. But uh, shout out Desmond Bain, though. I know that dude's been putting up numbers, so good for him. Big facts. Love Desmond He's Bain. He's good. One of, the, uh, one of the two redeeming factors for Memphis. Him and Jaron Jackson Jr., love them both. Um, they play the game. Very fun. Um Short arm Desmond Bain is a dog. Um, yeah, I hope I hope Jaw um, turns a new leaf and becomes like a bull again. Because I would love to root for Memphis, um, or at least root for a great rivalry with um, Golden State, if everything pans out the way it should be. Um, Absolutely. So rooting for him, even though I don't love them very much. I'm 100% the same way. Uh, did you want to briefly talk about um, NFL free agency? Be- did we briefly want to talk about NFL free agency before we uh, let the people go? Yeah, sure. We can gloss over it. Um, I mean, there's a little here and there. Uh, I think the Texans and Panthers have been picking up absolute some really great weapons offensively. Um I know you and I talked about it a little today via text, and mm-hmm. I do agree that I don't think – I think six wins is about the cap we're going to get out of these guys. Um, but they're they're making good moves, um, and the Cowboys have made some pretty sweet moves. I think the Brandon Cooks trade for them was a great deal. Um, they got Stephon Gilmore on a wish for a Colts, so uh, thanks for the Colts for that one. Um Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. I mean, I, we probably could all guess he was going to leave Green Bay. Didn't really know where, but I think the Jets makes the most sense. Um, it does make the most sense. I'm I'm happy Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet. Um, my I have two takes uh, with the Aaron Rodgers uh, to New York situation. One, announcing it uh, via Pat McAfee. Great. I, I love it. I love that he's taking control of his own, own career, Schefter and Rappaport. Huge for that. break the news for him. Um, he's his own guy. Um, but announcing it before a trade is official is very strange because Green Bay now kind of doesn't have a whole lot of negotiation power. Um, it's very public that this franchise quarterback wants to be somewhere else. So it kind of takes away a lot of the compensation that Green Bay can receive for him. Um, It'll be interesting to see if New York gives up a first-round pick for him still um, because he's still a Green Bay Packer. Um, I am very interested to see how that uh, compensation pans out. And lastly, which I don't think is getting enough um, 
attention is if you know a Patriots fan out there, uh, gloat. Like, you should be gloating uh, for quite some time. Um, they had their fantastic dynasty run with Tom Brady, and now they're kind of sitting in a position where every team around them in the in their division has gotten so much better. Um, Jalen Ramsey to the Dolphins, huge. Uh, Mac Jones having to throw against Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey, good luck. You already have to play Josh Allen twice a year, um, and now you're playing Aaron Rodgers also twice a year. And Miami's not not a, not a guaranteed win because that defense is looking mighty mighty fine. Um, Patriots are in for a struggle, uh, and I don't think enough people are talking about that. Um, I love Mac Jones, but God, uh, gloat to your fellow Patriots fans out there. Yeah, I um never I didn't really consider that till now. Um, I think there's a solid chance they end up last in their division. Um, I think this Rogers. Jets team is going to be scary. They've got a pretty good young defensive core. They've got a really good young offensive core. They just need a good quarterback and to get one of the back-to-back MVPs and I think arguably a Hall of Fame quarterback um in his final day in his final few seasons. Uh Jets are finally going to be scary, I think. I think that's the what is I don't even know what that is. AFC East or some crap, I don't know. But um it's yes. Patriots, uh, Patriots could very well end up last in this division, very easily. And I think, as a Colts fan who had seen the Brady Manning rivalry for so many years and have developed a pretty good hatred for everything Patriots, um, I'm excited to see this play out. Well, that's all I got. Um, the NFL uh, will be uh, talked about more by us moving forward once the draft gets a little bit uh more imminent um and the tournament you know it's just really fun and taking up most of our time so we'll we'll be playing it ear uh by ear uh see what carolina does with that number one overall pick see how what reports are coming out from there um but uh i think that's all i have for this edition of trust your gut beer do you have anything else you want to add I think I'm all good. Um, just be keep an eye out um on Twitter at tyg takes for some picks coming out later this week. Um, for Sweet Sixteen and Elite Eight as we go into this weekend. But I think we got everything covered. I think we got a great weekend of sports concluded. We got another great weekend coming up. Um, it's a good time, man. We got we even got baseball opening day coming soon. So uh, it's it's a good time to be good time to be us. It's a great time. Also, uh, quickly, right before uh, we let the people go, I, uh, since you weren't here last week, I didn't get to congratulate you, but congratulations on those Oscar picks. A lot of the ones that you threw out there uh, at the end of uh, the two episodes ago actually panned out, so uh, shout out DraftKings uh, for, for those props, and uh, thank you uh, thank you to the people, and uh, we'll catch you soon. Yeah, dumbest shit I've ever done. I'm not picking the Oscars again, but uh, that felt pretty good, so... Let's uh let's let's keep the momentum going. All right, have a good one. Y'all take it easy.